0: We're wrapping up our teaching series this morning of what we've been calling Rooted. We've been taking a look at our core values as a church and seeing how they actually fu- function for us as roots. Sorry. I have no <laughs> Thank you, Kendall. <laughs> he is. All right, let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, well, Christ is here now. We may begin. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, your new fun lighter, too. Oh. We've been taking a look at our values as a church, our roots, as I've been calling them, not just because they've been our value since the beginning of our church almost 13 years ago, but because these actually do serve to root us, reveal, resurrect, release these values that we live and the reasons why we gather as a church family. They really function to keep us and help us stay rooted and grounded And the love of Christ. And in a time and place, not even in our church building, but we know it's never about that. It's where we are and and when we gather. But in a time and place where it might feel easy to be tossed about by the winds of change or fear or storms or violence in our world, we know that we need these roots that grow down deep to sustain us in our spiritual growth as a church family as a community centered on the love of Christ, rooted and grounded there, so that we might develop fruit and the actual fruit of the kingdom that will last. There's lots of ways that we as a church can be successful, according to the world today, where we can develop lots of things and lots of programs and lots of accolades and lots of—you get it. But we're interested here in being rooted and grounded in the love of Christ— From there, developing fruit of the kingdom, the kind of fruit like love and joy and peace and patience and humility and kindness and justice and mercy and service, that's what we're about here. So we've taken a look through this series at our values. I just mentioned them. Reveal, helping people see Jesus through our hospitality and our worship gathering of of people that reveal, seeing God, encountering God, uh, and the the power and and transformation uh, that we encounter there Resurrect, learning to live like Jesus through intentional discipleship and, and growing and learning opportunities. And release, creating change, we'd say, releasing the love of God into the world to make a difference in the name of Christ through acts of service and mercy and justice. These are our roots, these things that help us stay grounded and, and growing together together. There's another part of Ephesians I talked about in the first week of this teaching series where it says that we as the body of Christ are being built together as a dwelling place. A dwelling place for God. You might have heard it talk about our bodies being sanctuaries, and so we should honor our bodies, yes, but also this image of together. You and I, when we gather, of being built together as a different kind of sanctuary, a dwelling place of God with Christ as our cornerstone. Just another visual there. Christ as our cornerstone being rooted and grounded in Christ, Paul says just a few chapters later in Ephesians. So these are our values that we live that help us live out our mission as a church, joining Jesus and the revolution of transforming lives through teaching and serving, that we can live on purpose and on mission, being built together as a dwelling place of God, a community, a light in the world, Matthew says, right? A city on the hill. So what's next? You might be saying, Rachel, a 4-week teaching series and we only have 3 values. What what do we do now? <laughs> well, <laughs> in light of all of this, my simple question for you this morning then is how shall we or how should we respond? Not trying to be like cutesy there, but it did kind of fit. Okay? If you hang with me, reveal, resurrect, release, respond. I'm not adding a fourth value to our founding documents. Do not worry. But I am, I do just want to ask you to reflect with me this morning. In light of all of this, this talk about our values, how can we make these values or continue to make these values our roots and strongholds in our lives? in your life, in your personal life, that we might actually be rooted together in the love of Christ. I think a lot of this is all in how we respond. Now what? I've heard it said, I think I've told you this, I've heard it said before that like, you don't remember the things that people say, this is off script, Gloria can tell, you don't always remember the things that people say, but you remember how they made you feel. You're like, oh, that's so kind, except I have a job where it's like a lot of what I say and teaching and preaching, and you're like, well, cool, no one's going to remember this. That's fine. <laughs> so a lot of this may sound familiar, that you've heard this before, that it's familiar, but chances are you've forgotten it. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about it again this morning. It's all in how we respond to the call and to the love that's first been given to us. There's a lot in this life that we can't control. The longer we live <laughs> like our husbands, <laughs> yeah, we try. <laughs> the longer we live, the longer we live, the more we realize there's not much in this life that we can control. We cannot control the actions of our family or our neighbors or our friends. Or our children, when they make bad decisions, we wish that we could sometimes. We cannot control the weather and whether it's going to blow off our roof as opposed to our neighbors next door. Because that didn't happen, it was just ours. We can't control decisions that other people make and how they might impact us. But what I've heard said before and what still holds true is that we can control how we respond. My clergy coach says to me sometimes, what do you know to be true right now? In seasons of overwhelm and change and chaos and frustration, what do you know to be true right now? It's another way for her to ask me, I can't control a lot of things, but I can control how I respond in any given situation. And friends, a lot of our life is all about how we choose to respond to God's love for us, to the call that He invites us to follow Jesus, how we respond with our whole lives and how we choose to live with humility and compassion and grace and service. And that's quite countercultural in the chaos that is. But that's what we can control. It's all in how we respond. And so that's what I want to reflect on just a little bit this morning. In light of all of this and our values, how are we, Revolution Church, how are you individually going to respond? Our whole lives, really, is a response to what God has first done for us. We love because he first loved us. We worship in response to the great love and grace that's been poured out on us. That pattern of proclamation and respond. That's the classic worship pattern that we talked about week one. What we do when we gather here and praying and and praising and lifting our voices is in response to the glory of God that we've seen revealed to us. In response to Jesus' invitation to follow him and the grace poured out, we respond with surrender, surrendering of our lives to Christ, And that realization of our deep need of God's grace. We cannot do this alone. I need help. That's a response. Help. Responding to the invitation of Christ that says, Come, take up your cross and follow me. And from that overflow of that love and grace poured out on us, we can't help but respond and serve others. And share that love, tell that story, invite others to walk the same way. Did you hear that? It's reveal, resurrect, release. It's all a response of God's love and grace in our lives. You've heard me say this before. Maybe you remember it. In our communion liturgy, it's one of my favorite parts when we say the full liturgy together. Oh, look, how can I respond? There you go. In our communion liturgy... When we walk through it, we say, and so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim together the mystery of faith. That's what the pastor words, the pastor speak. That sometimes we may like, you know, like just gloss right over when Gloria's sleeping, or I'm just kidding. <laughs> And then we say together, I try to give you a cue, like, wake up, it's time to say Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Friends, these are really powerful words in our liturgy that I've highlighted before. Because we are saying, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, in response, as we walk through the story of our faith and salvation history, sometimes reaching all the way back to Abraham, depending on what liturgy I pick, We walk through the story of our faith and the story of our salvation journey as a people of God. And then at the end, it concludes with in remembrance of these mighty acts of salvation, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving. We offer all that we have in response for the furtherance of God's kingdom here. Of course, this is grounded in Scripture. This holy and living sacrifice language comes from Romans chapter 12. And we started the year here when we talked about living like Jesus and becoming more like Jesus, becoming holy, a holy and living sacrifice. But that was five months ago. I appeal appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Resurrection, transformation, renewal, you hear all of that here. Offering our lives, it, bodies, that's this sounds like oh this sounds like weird human sacrifice. It's not what Paul was going for. In a world that did that, that's not what Paul was going for here. He was talking about your whole life, your your being, your person, your body, all that you have. Another way that we like to articulate this in the United Methodist Church is to say that when we join, we have these membership vows. That part of living out our call and our faith in one particular congregation means that we are going to offer what we have and serve among these people by offering our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. That covers just about everything, I hope. (laughs) That's our way that we like to add this language of offering our whole lives in response to God's mighty acts of salvation. Surrender, here I am, not my will but yours. All that I have, may it be used for the furtherance of God's kingdom. And when people join this particular body, we ask them, will you support us? Will, will you be an active member and person? And not just a log, you know, not just checking a box, but, but will you really be a part of this family? And choosing together to follow Jesus, joining Jesus in the transformation, the revolution of transforming lives through teaching and serving by offering your prayers and your presence and your gifts and your service, and your witness. It's this call of discipleship I'm talking about here that's all-encompassing. That's everything about our lives. It's not multiple layers. It's all of it. So I've been reading this book uh, along with, you know, sort of my preparations for this teaching series. Uh, It's a book about sort of um, congregational. It's like one of those, it's for church leaders. So it's not boring. It's kind of boring. But it's been very helpful. Um, it's, why it's, like it's just been a resource for me, and it's called uh, The Five Practices for Fruitful Congregations. It's written for pastors, written for kind of church leaders to say, hey, here are some practices for your congregation, but, you know, fruitful congregations. You get it. And the five things, I know you're like, wow, what are they? The five are passionate worship, radical hospitality, Intentional faith development, risk-taking service, and extravagant generosity. Okay, passionate worship, radical hospitality, worship and welcome. That's our, that's our value of reveal. Intentional faith development, resurrect, small groups, celebrate recovery, our children and youth ministries. Any Anytime that we are teaching the gospel and teaching the faith, That's intentional faith development. Risk-taking service. We talked about that last week with release, crossing these boundaries, getting out of our comfort zone, sharing the love and message of Christ with the world. And the fifth, extravagant generosity. Extravagant generosity. I know. I know. You're like, it's not that time of year, Rach. Sharon just gave me permission. It's always that time of year. Talk about generosity. (laughs) I know when we hear this word, we think, ugh, money, and now the lights are bright, and we're kind of in a small place, and they're going to notice if I walk out right now. But I think generosity, truthfully, is much more than just what we do with our money. It includes that. But it's much more than just what we do with our money. And I think a spirit of generosity could actually maybe help define this whole encompassing all that we have, offering ourselves as holy and living sacrifices, saying yes to this call of discipleship, to walk the way of Jesus with all that we have. It requires us to be generous. Generous with our prayers and our presence and our gifts, yes, and our service and all of that church together is our witness. All of it. As much as I would like to just like divide this up into, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? As much as I'd like to divide this up and put it, you've never heard that? And put it into little compartments that I can organize and, and conquer with my checklists. I would love to do that. But you remember how I started by saying there's not much in this life that we can control? It's not much in this life that I can control except by how I respond and how I respond to the call of Jesus by being generous with all that has first been given to me. It's not my own. My life is no longer my own, but it's yours. And that song, man, that song was great this morning. With all the breath that I have, I'm going to butcher the the lyric but with all the breath that I have, I want to follow Jesus with all that I have. That requires us to be generous with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. It's really more than just money. It, it captures everything. So the scripture passage I want to read this morning, a second one, to kind of ground us with this spirit of generosity it comes from 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 9. Oh, there's more. 6 through 15. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever grows, sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. How about you guys read this slide? Can you do that? For the ministry of the service... Amen. The word of God. Thank you, Marie. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth here and schooling them a bit on what it means to live with a generous spirit. He says, Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. We all want to be generous. We were created in the image of a God who is generous. We were made for this, but fear sometimes holds us back. Fear of not having enough. Fear of losing. Fear of fill in the blank. Sometimes we sow sparingly without even realizing it. But Paul reminds the church, if we sow bountifully and generously, we will reap generously as well. I don't know about you, but there have been so many times in my life that I have been blessed, maybe more so, whether it's by sharing of my time or my gifts or my service, any time I've been on a service experience where I think that it's something that I'm giving, I have been blessed tenfold back. Whatever I think that I gave, I received in blessing and in that community and those relationships and how God showed up and how God moved When we sow generously, we reap generously. And he says a real spirit of generosity is not giving reluctantly or under compulsion. It's not out of obligation or pressure. Similar to what we said last week, we don't serve because we feel like we just have to do it. I don't know about you, but like quality time is one of my uh, love languages. But like if you, I, I don't want, I'm not interested in like, Spending time with someone if they feel like they have to, or they've been forced to, or like it's a requirement. I'm really talking about my kids. (laughs) Just kidding. Like, oh, mom, I don't want to go on a walk with you. He's only, he's not even five yet, and he's already complaining about, oh, it's okay. In that same spirit of service that we talked about last week, it's that out of that overflow that we want to serve, not out of obligation. The same with any type of generosity. And Paul talking specifically here about a financial gift, but a real gift is not given reluctantly or under compulsion, he says. Verse 10 reminds us that God provides. I love this. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And he says, goes on in verse 11, it'll be God will be glorified. It will all be for the glory of God. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Other people will see your generosity. Other people will see God revealed in your acts of service or mercy or generosity or love and praise God because of you. Now, what Paul is really talking about here is a financial gift. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, kind of throughout the whole series of the letters to the church in Corinth. He's appealing to them for this financial gift, just like he does in other places and other churches. And specifically, this financial gift is not just to support his missionary journeys. It is specifically for an offering for the Jerusalem church. I've talked about this a lot, so hopefully you remember that. In a time and place where the church was trying to figure out what it looked like to be one church under one baptism and one Lord and one faith, yet ethnically diverse, Jew and Gentile, they had a big meeting. And they decided, even though we split ways here and Paul goes to one place and Peter and the pillars go to another place, let us remember one thing. Let us remember the poor. So there was this idea, even from the beginning, that yes, we will be united in faith. We will go on different missionary journeys, but this is the same faith and the same gospel. And the way that we will show this is through this sort of collection among all of the churches, no matter Jew or Gentile or a little bit of both. And it'll be a collection that we send back to the church in Jerusalem for the poor there. The Jerusalem church was the church, right? That was the... the, where all of the sort of pillars and early leaders were. And they were going to decide and to distribute how this collection was given out. It became symbolic then of their unity. Even as they were trying to figure out some of their squabbles of what it meant to be a diverse church, they were unified in their mission of remembering and serving the poor. And so this, this contribution, Paul called it, meant a whole lot to him. Because it was how the pillars in Jerusalem and Peter blessed his mission when they parted ways. It's really important for Paul. And it was symbolic that they were partnering together on mission. Their witness in the world was this contribution together in serving and remembering the poor. I think that's really powerful. It's also really important for us to remember because all throughout different letters that Paul writes, he talks about being partners together in the gospel. We all have different roles to play. We're all members of the body of Christ. We all have different gifts, we all have different talents. But we can offer what we have and become partners together in the shared mission and the shared witness together. It's not all our individual glory, it's not about one person, it's about the whole. That together we can accomplish more than we could on our own. He talks about this all throughout his letters. But this symbolic collection and being partners together. Not everybody could travel to Jerusalem and feed the poor there. But they could all send gifts. They could all be a part of that together. And we see that lived out in our own partnerships today as a church. Not just in our mission partners that we talked about last week. But that's true But in everything that we do, we all pull the same direction. We all pull weight together. We are partners together in the gospel. I've shared each week a piece of some of our founding documents, and I want to kind of close with this this morning. This is what we say. Revolution Church believes the way to sharing the message of Jesus is to live the message of Jesus into the life of the world by releasing what God has given us toward others. Others see God's revolutionary love, and it's God's revolutionary love that changes lives and the life of the world. That's kind of our release value, but here's the next step. You are God's revolution. We need your help because you are the revolution of God in the world. God has given you special talents, gifts, opportunities, and relationships to make a difference in the lives of others. Ask yourself, when, where, how, and to whom can I be God's revolution. Offering all that we have here, our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our time, our witness, I missed one. Offering all that we have here. Doesn't mean one person does it all. Doesn't mean one person does nothing. Doesn't mean all of us can go on mission this summer or go next summer to the DR, but we can all be a part of that through our gifts and our partnership together to support one another, because that's our combined witness together. We can't all serve upstairs with the kids. We can't all go down to Grace Kids to serve. We can't, I know there's like a line, you're so ready to serve back there at the AV booth. Yeah, we're batting people away because we can't all do it, it's the best job. We can't all do it, but we all can do something to contribute to this dwelling place that God is building together with Christ as our cornerstone. So my question that I began with is how shall we respond? In light of these values, which we have realized again and again are the core values that make us who we are, but really tether us to Christ and our witness in the world, what will our response and contribution be? What do you have to offer? How will you respond and continue to respond to the call to follow Jesus? Or maybe it's just simply asking how can you, maybe you're feeling like I need to make these priorities more of a priority in my own life. To make the corporate worship experience, even through the summer, a priority because it's important and it's transformative to get plugged in in a study or to study and pray in community, to get plugged into a small group or a house group that will relaunch again in the fall. But even now, are you hungering for that? Are you hungering to study and to pray with others? Maybe you need to start attending CR on Wednesday nights where all of this is covered and more. Maybe you need to sign up to serve. You need to make that time commitment and that service commitment more of a priority. They have so many opportunities that you heard about last week, but I want to add one more. We're very excited, Janice and I, to announce that as one trip goes, 15 of us to the Hinton Center in North Carolina, we will have another group serving through Hand in Hand Ministries, three of those days of the same week in the Portland neighborhood. June 26th through the 28th, only $50 per person. And there's a sign up that we're going to have live online later today. It's already live because Micah is a boss. Thank you. Thank you. It's already live online. Three days of service through Hand in Hand Ministries and hopefully also partnering with the table down there with Church of the Promise. One of the uh, people that works at Hand in Hand Ministries is one of the new co pastors at Church of the Promise. So it's sort of related to serve specifically in the Portland neighborhood. They do some beautification projects, they uh, have a couple of wheelchair ramps to make some homes more accessible in the neighborhood. Um, potentially some other opportunities. We hope to serve at the table one day, uh, serving lunch, maybe eating lunch. But three days, $50 per person, scholarships available for youth if any of our youth are interested in serving. You can contact Janice um, if you have more questions. And then finally, to add to sort of reveal, resurrect, release, respond, there's an opportunity, even if you can't go this summer to North Carolina or to Portland, You can still be a part of that witness there by offering a gift this morning or in the weeks to come. We've decided the one board has blessed it to to invite people to offer a love offering this morning. If you say, man, I'd really love to be there, but I can't, there's some overhead costs, some transportation costs, some materials costs. There's some things that both Hinton Center and Portland, the teams could use help with. So if you're saying, hey, I, I can't go myself, but I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of the witness that revolution is about this summer in Appalachia and in Portland, in our very own city. You can offer a love offering this morning and just call it Summer Service, and we'll make sure it's used on one of those two trips. Just simple, simply Summer Service it should be an option. If you give um, either online or on our app, you should see that this morning. Uh, Mike had a great idea, and now I've forgotten it. Even, like, $50 would sponsor more than one person on one of these trips, which would be really, really great. Um, but 50 bucks would cover, like, all of the costs for the Portland. Um, I know that doesn't make sense because we're asking individuals to pay. But it's actually more than this. Uh, And just $50 or less, anything that you have, but $50 would would cover all of the materials and the meals and the transportation and costs that are needed uh, to help partner with Hand in Hand Ministries this summer. And so often in the spring, we do a kind of a love offering for one of our uh, service events. In the past, it's been flood buckets or it's been tornado relief. And this summer, we just want to bless our mission teams that are going as we partner together in the gospel and as we respond, a spirit of generosity to offer all that we have amen amen Amen. let's pray gracious god we give you thanks for who you are we give you thanks for the ways that you are at work in our church for the ways that you are revealing yourself to us and calling us into deeper discipleship different studies uh, just deeper deeper love God, would you give us the wisdom and the courage we need? Would you help our fears kind of set aside as we surrender to you and as we seek to follow you, releasing all that we have, that we may be a blessing to others and glorify you. Help us to remember that you are our provider and our sustainer and our creator and that in you we truly have all that we need. So give us that peace this morning, God. Give us that courage that we may continue to join you in the revolution. We love you, God, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.